welcome. Uh, we're starting a series that we're doing for Christmas called Pursued. Uh, and here's the one thing that I want you to hear this morning. Our God is a pursuing God. I've preached on the text that I'm going to go in today, uh, but never at Christmas, so here we go. From the beginning, God has been a pursuing God, which we'll see in the text today, because it's about as beginning as you get. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to drive home that point. Your experience may speak differently, and that experience shapes the way you see God. God never wanted distance. He wanted relationship. And the question this morning is, do you believe that? Despite what you think God thinks or feels about you, He is pursuing. And I said this on our online video, but you just you being here in this room, regardless of why you're here, I look at it as proof that God is pursuing you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would shape the way we see you. And not our experience or our interpretation of uh, how our life is going, Lord, but the way you say and the way you speak. Lord, let it shape the way we see you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes in the days and weeks to come to see your pursuit, to see in hindsight these ways that you've been after us, pursuing us, desiring us to be in harmony with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see that. I pray that you would allow your text to speak to us today. More than my words, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak, to confirm what your word says, and to inspire us to walk in and believe those words. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to be in Genesis 3 today, 1 through 15. Um, if you're familiar with it, it is the fall. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The fall. Well, let me start in Genesis 1 because I think it'll set the picture. It'll make you feel a little bit better about your, um, yourself, potentially. So Genesis 1, 31, God is creating. At the end of that creation, in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and then the sixth day. So let me set up the fall. That even in a perfect environment, failure can happen. Even in the perfect environment. So if your world has not been perfect, don't beat yourself up too bad. And see it through the lens of Adam and Eve lived and existed in perfection. No sin, no failure, no, no, no parents <laughs> that did whatever good or bad that they did to them. No, no middle school, no high school, um, no, you know, falling, learning how to walk. I mean, maybe they did that, I, I don't know. But we're going to go right into this environment. This perfect environment and where our issue began. And hopefully, something that I probably 10 years ago got out of um, this discipleship study that I did, 
I saw this one thing that just kind of, it, it stirred something in me. Because I don't know about you, but I've struggled with the reality that God likes me at times. Would want me at times. Would desire to be anywhere near me at times. And I would probably be very comfortable to say that most of us in this room have struggled with that reality of like going, why would God want to pursue me? You may be hearing this and go, why would God come after me? And I hope over the next two weeks, I'm going to change the way you think about that if you don't feel that way already. So let's get into Genesis 3. Verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And let me, let me just tell you this. Uh, in, in Jesus in John 8, 44 clarifies this. Listen. Um, he is talking about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his own, out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is what he does. And this is what he does to us. He, he twists. I mean, because he takes part of what was said, part of a truth, and, and he changes it a little bit. This has been his business. And, and here's, here's what God actually said to them. This is what God said. So Satan is accused. Like, did, did God actually say that? Well, so this is out of Genesis 2, 16. This is what he actually said. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat, you will surely die. And in verse 2, for one, and I know we don't have like the devil necessarily coming to us and having a conversation with us, and we know it's the devil. Like, okay, this is a lie because it's coming from the devil. Uh, but the woman sitting there and starting the conversation and continuing the conversation, she probably didn't know any better because she was completely innocent. In verse 2, and it says, And the woman said to the serpent, regurgitating what she heard God say, and she's going to add something to it, which is what we do a lot of times. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And then here's what she added. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And I, I think this is, this is Heath. Don't, don't get super mad. I, I, like, I give you a Heath interpretation, which you can do whatever you want to with it. Throw it away if you want. But I think that little seed... Because before you eat something, what do you have to do to it? You have to touch it. And so in her mind, she's saying, God said, if you eat it, you don't even touch it. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is the Heath interpretation, that as you see this lie out, I mean, the, the progression of, because she thinks, in her mind, at least that's what she said, that when I touch it, I'm going to die. And she touched it, because she had to touch it before she ate it. And she's like, I'm still alive. We'll get there. In verse 4, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Surrender 
is the war within us. We, we don't say this, but we desire to be our own God. We do it every day that we do things that we know we shouldn't do. All of those things that we know, oh, we know, we know, but maybe this time it's going to be different. We're trying to determine what we should do instead of walking in the way that we should. And here's this other, di- other idea that I think swirls in our heads so much. Is that God is keeping something good from me. Most of the things that we want, that we know that God's saying don't, we're thinking, oh, he's, he's robbing me of this thing. And that's kind of what Satan's saying here. Hey, he, God just doesn't want you to have this because then you'll be like him. He's keeping something from you. Then in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Verse 6. Skip. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eye, so she went to it, and I'm, I'm assuming... If she thought in her mind touching it was bad, she probably wouldn't. She never went near this tree. Because what if you trip, fall, hit the apple, you're dead. Like this is, you know, this is again Heath interpretation. Don't, don't run with that and say the Bible says you trip and fall and hit the apple, you're going to die. And it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of it, and I, I think that's my little interpretation, she took it. I think that was test number one, because in her mind, when I touch it, I'm going to die, and she touched it, and she didn't die. She took its fruit and ate, and then she ate it, and she didn't die. And she gave, and she also gave some to her husband. This is, and this, I, t- I, pro- I teach this, I taught this in a marriage series that we did, which there's so many things that we can see already, like, from the beginning of time, there's been an issue with husbands and wives, okay? I mean, this is not for today, but I'm just going to, little nuggets here and there. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Who did God command in Genesis 2.16 to not eat the fruit? The man who was standing there watching his wife have a dialogue with the serpent. I mean, I know it's, they're new and they don't, you know, maybe that's normal. Maybe all the animals talked. I don't know. But he just sat there. And when he saw her, because he probably heard her regurgitate that if you touch it, and he's thinking, man, man, that's what God said. I think that, God, that sounds right. And then he sees her touch it and she doesn't die. She, he sees her take a bite and she doesn't die. And he's like, maybe God was wrong. And she hands it to him. And he takes it and takes a bite and doesn't die immediately. Then in verse 7, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And you know what they did? The moment they realized they were naked, which they never did before, and I don't know how long they existed prior to this moment, They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You know what we do every time we do something we shouldn't do? We try to hide it. It's what we do. It's in our nature. It's everything that you're hiding right now from people. You're you're taking what we've learned from the beginning. We do something stupid. Our eyes are open. We're now naked. They've been naked the entire time. Okay? Let's just make that clear. They didn't all of a sudden eat the apple and get naked. 
They were naked before. But all of a sudden they looked down. I don't know what, like their eyes are open. They're like, oh, this is, we should do something about this. We should go cover this off. And, you know, and they go into the woods and like, is this a big enough leave? Is this a big enough leave? And they sew it together and make a covering because it fixes everything. We'll hide it. Verse 6. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in a garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This was common. This was God desired relationship, not distance. This was common for the Lord to come in and spend time with his creation. Perfect, pure creation. And just if you were wondering where hide and seek came from, this is it. Nugget of truth. Tweet that out right now. So they hid themselves among the trees in the garden. This is what sin does. It makes us want to hide from God. They never hid from God before. They heard him before and they were eager to see him. And now something has changed and they hid themselves with their leaves. Hiding their nakedness. Now let me just say, this is just as silly as our kids hiding from us. Like, I remember when my, my kids don't do this anymore necessarily, but when they were little and they would play hide and go seek, and those that have, like, under four-year-olds. Like, you know, you come around the corner and you're, you, you play along with them. You're like, and I think this is what God's doing. Oh, where is so-and-so? I can't find them. And then the giggles start. But this is what we do. This is what, we're, what, this is what you're doing right now. With unconfessed sin. You're hiding it. Thinking maybe he won't notice. Maybe he won't see. And it is idiotic. Because let me, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. Maybe a truth nugget too big for you. There's nothing that he doesn't already know. The person beside you may be clueless to that something. But God isn't. And this is pivotal of understanding where I'm going today. God what was God doing? He was pursuing. This is the revelation that happened in this study that I did. Because my mind was when you sin, God doesn't like you anymore, doesn't want anything to do with you. He goes as far from you as possible. But when they sinned and God was not unaware of their sin, what did he do? What did he do? He pursued. He went to them. And he sought them out. Look at this. Look at this. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is, this is the gospel. He is a pursuing God. And, and next week when we talk about the birth of Jesus, it, is, it ends the story on whether God is concerned about his people. It ends the, it takes away the hidden, is he after us? In verse 9 it says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And I imagine it, it was like my children when they were little, hiding behind the tree that is way too small for them, but their face is hidden and they can't see God. And they think he can't see us. 
verse 10, and he said, and he said, and this is talking from Adam, says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, never afraid before. There, there was this, he came, this was a, a moment, he wasn't afraid before, but now he's afraid because his eyes have been opened to his own sin, his own his own doing that separated him from Jesus. Because I was naked. He was afraid because he was naked and I hid myself. Why was he now afraid when he wasn't before? Because in that moment, the, I, I don't know if our DNA got changed, but the, the initial thought was like, God doesn't want anything. He's He's angry. He's mad. He doesn't want anything to do with me. He doesn't want me anymore. I've got to hide from him. And then I love this one. And you can unpack this one later. Verse 11. He said, going back to God, who told you that you were naked? They didn't know that they were naked before. And all of a sudden, now they're naked. Who told you that? And I think this is the struggle we do. We, we identify ourselves as something. Like now I'm naked now I told myself that I'm naked. Now I told myself that I'm worthless. I told myself I'm whatever. Fill in the blank that you, that thinks that that separates you from God. And realized he still pursued. Who told you that you were naked? And then he asked. And God isn't unaware. It's just, we have to process this out loud. We have to acknowledge what we have done for this relationship to even have a start to go on. And he says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And this is where every marital issue comes from. Look at this. This is brilliant. Like, I don't think you could plan this any better so later on, when you have an argument, you're like, it's been from the beginning, babe. <laughs> so God's confronting the man who he told, hey, you're the leader. I need you to lead this. And he did not lead, which we saw. He sat there and watched and let it happen. And so he's now talking to the man in verse 12. It says, <clears throat> and he's responding. And the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit to eat of the tree and I ate. It ain't my fault. It is not my fault. And I'm like, we all do this. Every time we get accused of something that we do, instead of just owning the thing that we did, we go, well, I wouldn't have done it if you didn't. We do that all the time. Like, honey, I know you're mad that I did this, but if you wouldn't have, blah. I know I overreacted, but like, if you didn't do the first thing, And then it continues down the chain. Look, look how it goes. It says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And, and no, I, I couldn't make this up. And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's not my fault. You made the serpent. You made all of this. And we want to blame someone. So here's a question for you. Who are you blaming for your sin? We've got to take responsibility for our part. And I know there's lots of circumstances in our world that leads us to things. But the things that we do 
on our own free will are on us. Not someone else. Even if the even if that domino got started by someone else, our response, I remember years ago, and, I, and I, I, I respond poorly. I know you guys think I'm like the most loving, nurturing, nice people, the ones that have known me long enough, like you've seen through that. My wife, she is not clueless to my shortcomings at all. <clears throat> but I remember having this conversation with the Lord years ago, <laughs> At something I was frustrated at. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me. It's like, you cannot control what other people do. Which you cannot. If you're trying to do that, stop. Because it doesn't work. But you can always control what you do. How you respond to that thing. That is on you. That's what we are responsible for the Lord. And look at this in 14 and 15. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent... Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He, talking about the woman's offspring, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And I know I've talked to, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 was the, the beginning. It was the precursor to what we see now. What we saw in the cross was... And this is what I think, because sometimes we're like, is God really doing what... Is he, is, he, is he there? Is he doing anything? Genesis 3.15 was God declaring, here's what's happening. Here's what's going to happen. And Jesus was the proclamation of the thing that happens. And that's what happened... Satan, bruised his heel. He thinks he's getting rid of Jesus, killing him on the cross. And he led him into the one thing that destroyed him. Satan destroyed his power. It took it back because Jesus did the only thing for us that we could be redeemed from or through. This is the best news. This is God saying, I will send Jesus, which we're going to see next week as The child is born. It is his proclamation to us that I have come. And I want you. And I want you so much that I'm going to do what is necessary for you to come back to me. It's not like he just came after you and then he gets to you and he tells you, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. He comes to you and then basically gives you the present that you've got to give back to Him to be accepted by Him, which is the cross and the sacrifice. First John 4, 10 says, In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, which is the payment of, For our sin. Not that we loved Him. He's not after us because we loved Him so much that He had to come to us. He loved us so much that He pursued us even when we weren't worthy. And let me just tell you, shocker, you're never going to be worthy. I think so many people miss God because they're trying to 
to make themselves desirable to him. Trying to fix these things. Like, when, when I, then I, then God will come. No, God comes in the midst of us that while we were still sinners, he pursued. God has been and will always be a pursuing God. And I ask you, this morning as we lead into the season of, of celebrating Emmanuel, God with us, is that can you feel it? Can you, can you separate the fog enough and the, the suffering and the, the, can I say crap? The crap that's going on in our world right now and the stuff that you're overwhelmed with and the work and the family and the... Can you, can you, can you peel that away enough to see what God is doing for you right now? In this moment, God is communicating to you in the presence of these people that I'm after you. All I want is for you to have me. It's the gift. Like I, I feel like Christmas has been ruined by gifts. And I grew up in the like that as, you know, waking up excited. But we'll settle for a piece of trash under a tree. And I only call it trash. I know it's expensive right now. But where does it end up? In the trash. God gives us an eternity to be, to be satisfied with, to, to, to be embraced by. And the only thing he asks of you is to trust him, to lean in. And, and <clears throat> I'm saying this after we spent five or six weeks talking about follow me. So it's not like, hey, just take the present and you're good. Hey, disciples, follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you're probably not a disciple. But let me just tell you, if, you don't, if you're like, I'm not a disciple, I don't even know what I am. I just want to tell you that if you're hearing this right now, peel the fog enough so you can see that the God of the Bible has been pursuing people from the beginning. He's not going to stop. He's bringing things to his end, which there will. There will be a moment that he comes back and he stops time. And, and he makes everything like it was intended to be. And the only ones that will rejoice in that are the ones that are expecting it. If you're not expecting the return, if you're not expecting Jesus to come and restore, then you probably don't know Jesus. But he's not here to torture people. And, and we see that by his entry into the world. We see that by his willingness to go to the cross and die a horrible death for the availability for us to know him, to be in harmony with the Father again. So I'm going to invite our worship team back up. <clears throat> and I'm going to close with this one line in verse 9. When God asked or said three words, where are you? So as we close, let those three words 
rest on you? Where are you? Where is your hope? What are you longing for? Everything else that, that, that isn't Him is going to leave you wanting more. If you're over five years old, look, 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 if you're over 15 years old, <clears throat> we've come to the realization that nothing here is going to make us happy over the long term other than Jesus. So I encourage you, and, and we're going to for the next, well, next week and then uh, Christmas Eve is drive this fact home is that he's pursuing you. And so hear these words not as, a, not as an aggressor, because sometimes some of you may be here, where are you? Like, why aren't you here? <clears throat> when God came into the forest of the garden looking for Adam and Eve, when he said, where are you? I believe it was in the most loving, I mean, because he didn't come like destroying the forest and leaving the one tree that they're standing behind going, it's time to suffer. He just said, where are you? Because his heart was broken. And, and what we don't see, because we're not going far, far enough in this, is that God made the first sacrifice for them. He fixed their leaves and gave them skins of an animal, which was the first sacrifice for them. And it was a picture and imagery of what he's leading to. So let's pray. Jesus, Lord, open our eyes to see your pursuit of us. Not in history, not in other people's lives, but in our own life. Let us see your pursuit. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes like you opened the disciples' eyes after the resurrection for them to understand all of these things that you've been telling them. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth that sometimes is hidden right in front of us. And Lord, for those in this room that are yours, they're your disciples, they're your children, Lord, I pray in this moment that you fill them with a security and a peace that passes all understanding because you have done for them that in spite of where they think they are, how far they should be ahead of where they are right now, Lord, I pray that you would let the grace settle on them. And they would continue in this path of surrender to you. And Lord, for any in this room that are just struggling with the reality that you would even want them, Lord, I pray that your pursuit would be overwhelming to them. Let your Holy Spirit do what we're unable to do to bring life, to bring transformation, to awaken this people. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for showing us in your word. Thank you that from the beginning, you've been the same God. Thank you for making it abundantly clear in the birth of your Son of what you're after. Let us be your people, surrendered, willing, loving you, choosing you. Lord, we thank you for this word. I pray that you would encourage us in it. Lord, help us in this season see you and experience you in a way that changes the way we act and interact with others. 